As uh, you probably already know, if you ever want to point out a sermon to somebody you know or want to listen to one again or catch up on what you missed if you were gone on a Sunday, if you go out to soundcloud.com, we have an unlimited storage in the cloud for All Souls sermons. And so you just look up Evan Bruce Wilson, the different playlists are available for free. You can just go listen to the sermons if, uh, or email the address. I should print that on there. Okay. Good thinking. We used to have the church uh, website. We don't have a website anymore, so I took it off. Now we have sound files out there. And now, actually, on one of the sound files is an extended uh, comment. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful for your word and we're grateful for the things of you and your son that invite us to think on it and we'd ask that you would have our meditations be more and more on you. Open up the psalm to us today, Lord, in your son's name. Amen. One of these situations where, where you're looking at when you preached out of a passage last, it's been seven years before we were in this building, uh, since I was in Psalm 145, and I went back and looked at the sermon notes, and, you know, it was about what the psalm was about, but it was an entirely different thing than what I was thinking. And I think you, all of us grow, it's one of the wonderful things about the scriptures, we, as we grow and we go back to the same passages over and over again, other aspects of it begin to um, come to light. So it's not like it doesn't say what it used to say, and um, that I'm, hopefully I'm not making stuff up. But I was in a conversation last night with uh, my uh, son Gunn on the porch and, uh, about faith. And there's a lot of um, people talk about faith a lot. People worry about faith a lot. We were covering it, a, I don't know, last week, a couple weeks ago, about the duration of faith with the whole Peter walking on the water and Jesus sort of going, Oh, you have little faith. How could you can't keep walking on water? We need to realize that little faith sometimes is durational, making it little because it didn't last. We learn a lot of things about faith. We think about it a lot. We want to have definitions. We love that Hebrews portion. You know, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We like having definitions. Could we think that if we just understood this stuff better, we could go get this stuff easier? Because we know that in Christian Protestant circles, especially, your your eternal well-being is hung on the presence or absence of this faith. Some people think it's a power, it's a juice. God gives it to you. It's like a substance that you can have or not have. And sometimes I think Christians tend to overthink things. Now you might not agree with me. You say, Evan, you're the worst about overthinking things. All that tub time. But I think we overthink, not that we think too much, but that we, 
that whole idea of doctor, you're cutting too deep, you're scratching the table, sort of um, uh, too much into it. Um, they used to, InterVarsity, if you remember, remember InterVarsity, it was a uh, campus ministry years ago. It was considered to be the intellectual, you know, uh, campus ministry. Campus Crusade was the evangelistic campus ministry. InterVarsity was the intellectual one. Navigators was the uptight one. Um, or the devout and serious one. But they used to have things called dig-ins. And uh, dig-ins were what other groups would call retreats. But when you went on a university dig-in, you took a phrase of the scripture, and by the time you were done with that puppy at the end of the weekend, it had been, it had been flayed and, and broken apart, and you might say overwrought, overworked, uh, too much information, you know, hope, you know, born out of something that didn't have much in it. The Lord goes by and says hi to one of the disciples, and the dig-in would get all sorts of great meaning out of it. Sometimes we think too much about what something like faith is. We turn it into a spiritual thing, so we keep the word faith. Because, you know, we don't want to say belief. We don't want to say trust, because we kind of know what those mean. And it becomes clear to us, clearer to us, when you stop and go, what am I actually saying? I believe all the time everything I think and think I know. I believe through faith. Everything. I was reading in C.S. Lewis oh, a few weeks ago doing some work on a project and, and Lewis talks about how the expectation that inference is truth-bearing is by which you know everything. The only thing you cannot know from inference is the immediate present. The immediate present. The, the tactile, immediate sensation. And already, the immediate sensation is nanoseconds into the past. You're actually dealing with a memory. This immediate present you think you know. And everything else, everything else other than the immediate present, which has no meaning, it just has phenomena, everything else you believe through inference. And inference is a rational facility or faculty. You have to have faith and reason. And you don't even think about that. You don't even think about having faith and reason. Somebody gives a good, you a good argument and, oh, okay. A guy just puts on a white jacket and picks up a clipboard. Oh, okay. Anything you say. It's on an ad. You ever hear the words probiotic? Clinical? What's other things that they tell you lies about? Oh, I believe it now. Because we think it's resting in a world of science and reason. It may or may not. But we believe. The biggest illustration for faith for me is, is gravity. You don't even know what it is. You do not know. No one in this world knows why you stick to the planet. Against all reason, you're sticking to the planet. Because it's spinning around. And you learned it probably seventh grade. Uh, centripetal force, right? 
We should be flipping off into outer space, but we stick to the ground. Now, Newton thought it was mass and stuff like that. Well, Einstein thought it was space-time curvature. Which one is it? The scientists can't tell you. And you're stuck. You're sitting in that seat just like with a kind of insouciance that, that is amazing. I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to put my Bible next to me and fully expect not to slap against the ceiling. Because you have faith. You're wonderful at faith. So when are they going to get to the scriptures? That was just the prologue. Because it's not whether or not you're any good at faith. You got that down. I will extol thee, my God and King, and bless thy name forever and ever. Every day I will bless thee and praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Now, one of these are, the Psalms generally sound like that, right? They're generally, oh, it's either God is really great or why are you picking on me? That's the two uh, psalmists' uh, attitudes. And so you can read a passage like this and not think, okay, it's sounding like a psalm again. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. Stop and think for a moment. The problem is not whether you know how to have faith. You know how to faith like Billy Allen. You know, it's a everything you do think is by faith. You need to know the agent who's making the promise to you. You need to know God. Who are you trying to believe? The problem is not, oh, here's God, here's me, he asked for faith, oh, i got to work up faith. No, you don't have to work up faith. You have to meet God. Because the problem is never faith. You're always good at it. As long as you have thought about the thing. It, there's some kids here, right? Some, too many. But uh, uh, some of them, like uh, Linus or Lewis or those, those, where they're just at that, you know, uh, stand up. They are not big believers in faith yet. I mean, excuse me, big believers in the dark lord of physics, gravity. Um, and the dark lord of physics called gravity, they are in the, uh, the, the, the lap of, essentially, because they're lying on their side, lying on their face, lying on their back, and then they crawl around and start dropping blocks on things. They are resting in the phenomena of that dark lord, 32 feet per second squared. And finally... To the adventure of their own soul, they stand up and they start, you know, doing the drunken sailor bit, you know, and, and walking along a, a coffee table. And then for some reason, they step out, just like Peter, out of the boat, into this sea called carpet. Into this sea that, that they, they're just, they, they had to learn that gravity always worked. They were rolling on the floor for, you know, months, learning to crawl. But when they took those first steps, they had to guide everything. And they do that. Our oldest would just fall like a tree. There was no bending at the hips. He wouldn't break and land on his butt. he just face down. Pow. It was entertaining. We missed those days. Name your God. 
You learned about gravity and you believe in gravity. You don't even think about gravity. Everything you do, I put everything down here, I put things over there. I don't expect anything bouncing off the ceiling. I believe. Because I rested in that power for years. So if we stop and look at God this way, we're not trying to find faith, we're trying to find God. And we begin to realize that the Lord is great. You want to have a... If you know that the struggle is, my whole salvation is resting on faith, therefore I better get more faith. Eh, no. Evan says, you need to look at God more. Verse 4, one generation shall laud thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts on the glorious splendor of thy majesty and on thy wondrous works. I will meditate. Men shall proclaim the might of thy terrible acts and I will declare thy greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of thy abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Don't just say that God, your God, is an awesome God. Don't, please, do not do that for me. Don't make me come out and hurt you. Because awesome is everything. The deal at Walmart on volleyballs was awesome. It was just awesome. Realize that you're dealing, look at those words, laud, declare, meditate, proclaim, declare, pour forth the fame, sing aloud. If you're looking for faith, you want to look for God. And when you look for God, you don't want to find the omnipotent being of the cosmos with this, this sad little uh, junior high poetry level of expression. When you would write a, a poem to your girlfriend in junior high, if you were allowed to have a girlfriend in junior high, you're trying to rhyme spoon with June with moon. And it's just awful. It's just awful. Um, and if you tried to write something about Jesus, you would say awesome. Because you're in junior high. Learn more about how to express the greatness of your God because you're going to need some terms. But because it's, it's, it's this encounter, this encounter, that makes you bow the knee, not just in faith, but just like James said, in works. Because when you don't look for faith, but look for a God, you also found the Lord. Now I say in the um, side margin there on the left hand side, We sometimes, not knowing that it's the meditating on God that brings faith, it is, it is knowing your God that, that is the question, of, your question of belief is no longer a question. You know, I don't like what has been expressed by this God, or I do like what has been expressed by this God. I do believe this God exists, or I don't. But so much of what is in our world today we have other categories of sourcing for those things. Instead of seeing, you know, if every time your baby was lying on its side in the crib, you leaned over the crib and says, you know, little Johnny, it's the fairies holding you down that keep you stuck in the crib. 
every time they tried to roll over and it was hard, you say, the fairies aren't going to let you roll over. You start redefining every force they face. Then when they try to walk, they're wondering what their deal with the fairies is. Whether or not the fairies are going to allow them to control this fall and do a walk. Because they believe incorrectly. You have to ask yourself, when you exist in the lap of God, and all of us do, we live in his cosmos, the world he created, the forces he created, all the science points to the Lord in everything. All reason points to the Lord in everything. That's what we exist in. We've redefined a number of things. We think that something else brought that to pass. When Peter started to sink, it was because he looked at the storm and he remembered his gravity lessons and the cohesion power of water. He remembered all that. Those were all rules in his mind. He didn't know he was looking at the God who made that water. The God who made that gravity. Whatever gravity is. You stop looking at Christ and put your eyes on the water. You come up with your other definitions, your other words. Learn to meditate on the Lord in the things he has done. Understand him, laud him, praise him, declare him. The idea is that when we declare these things to each other, we're not trying to teach people how to have faith. You ever been in church situations or Bible study situations? There's a big, again, because we're a faith-based, a sola fide, we are oriented that way to get the belief of people. And so instead of talking about God, we talk about their belief. We get try to work apologetics in, convince them, convince their reluctance. All those things are fine; they're true. But an awful lot could be done by declaring God himself. One of the great things about mere uh, mere Christianity, uh, that hideous strength, is that the non-Christian girl who's sort of the object of grace in the book, she goes from non-Christian difficult modernist thought to very submissive Christian thought by having met the gods and God himself, having had to deal with Malibu. And just having to deal, just starting to think of your world in terms of God in it. You'll notice that I, I made the name, the word Lord, read in all the portion places it occurred. That's the actual, the tetragrammaton, the name of God, the Yahweh. Read through the psalm on your own. Great is Yahweh and greatly to be praised. It is his name. Blessed, bless thy name, praise thy name in the first two verses. And then we put a title in there instead of his name. How convenient. How to miss the point. It is our, this is our God. We don't, we're not just looking for a God. We're not trying to be theists. We're trying to be Christians. So the name of God is important to us. It is not Baal, it is not Apollo, it is Yahweh. Remember that, who it is we're dealing with, what he claims to be, what he has done. Remember all the lessons you gained growing up of how God 
was a blessing to you. The, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his compassion is over all that he has made. Now, one of the things we're learning about our God, ever wonder, my, my son, my oldest son, phoned me this week. They're having another baby. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, Facebook. I didn't hit like. It's a girl. What do you want? I mean, it's going to be a girl. To do sometime. When to do? February 8th. February 8th. It was their fifth anniversary, and so they announced the baby. We knew about it before. We weren't allowed to tell anybody. Um, what is that? Oh, he called me to talk about something else. And uh, he said, one more thing, Father. Does it seem to you that unusually at this level in time in history that the whole thing is going to crap? I said, yeah, it does seem like that recently. Much more than back in the 60s and the 70s. You know, back in the 80s, of course, Ronald Reagan was president, and it was wonderful. There was disco music, and there was Ronald Reagan. I was joking about the disco. It's really awful now. It's a bad place in the world. Now, I, I don't think it's unusually awful. I just think people are really, really wicked. And we're in a low point nationally. But uh, have you wondered, how does the world manage to go on? I know people. I know how they treat others. I know where their hearts are. How does anybody manage to drive down the street without wrecking? How does the world stay sane enough to function? I think because God made the world and he made forces and powers. He says, the Lord is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger, astound, bounding, and said, he's good to all, verse 9. His compassion is over all that he has made. Common grace keeps the world going to crap. Am I allowed to say that in the church? Poop. Going, going to the going in the toilet. It's just awful. But all the things God has made keeps man from just blowing himself up. Erupting in some anarchy of murder and self-hate. This is our God. He is good to all. But you want to make sure you're not inventing your God. You're not, you're not trying to come up with a God. You ever get in those arguments with people? Well, I don't think God is going to be that way. You don't think God is going to be that way? Well, that's very nice. And your creation of a God. If we were just, that's sort of a postmodern thing. If you think there's a God, you get to think whatever you like, and you get to have the kind of God you can create. No. You go looking for a God, and the God you find is the God that is. Be honest with yourself about that. But in, in this, you're seeing some benevolent things in this God. That the common grace and his mercy and his compassion to all men who are trying to drive this into a ditch, trying to make everything awful for everybody, trying to live by every inch of selfishness they can, God is still pulling their fat out of the fire. 
Of all, all thy works shall give thanks to thee, O Lord. And all thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and tell of thy power to make known to the sons of men thy mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of thy kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endures throughout all generations. We live, the saints, to close that gap between the God that has blessed all men and been uh, compassionate to all men. We are the information bringers We shall speak of the glory of his kingdom. We shall tell of his power to make known to the sons of men. If you want to bring faith alive in this world, you need to be more declaratory about your God. We don't just believe in faith, hope, and love. We believe in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have to declare that. Now, when you start thinking about common grace and all the good that, you know, that sort of sounds like the Diesto or this, you know, kind of a really not very powerful God who just kind of likes everybody and wants everything to go along really well. Common graces. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. All who are falling, all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to thee, and thou givest them their food in due season. Thou openest thy hand, thou satisfiest the desire of every living thing. You realize when some pagan fraternity brother sits at dinner shoving lasagna into his unthankful mouth, it tastes good because God made it taste good. And that man isn't denied taste because he does not thank God. He's not denied seeing color because he doesn't know the living God. God's open hand has given all these graces that they, they walk like kings through the earth. Like they created their own sense of beauty and taste. But God did that is part of the common grace. Remember, if I left the baby on a desert island by itself, it would learn about gravity. And if it had some Lunchables there that it could open and eat, without you there, it would eventually learn to walk without your help. It would figure it all out because you rest in the power. If you know that power is there and it's there to be identified and used, you have faith in it, and you live by that faith. To know God, to have him pointed out, to have him identified by the saints, to have him identified by the believers, say, this is because of the living God. What you have is because of the living God. Don't get up at him. That's the beginning. But the psalm does not end with the common grace of God just being sort of 
eh, morally ambiguous and nice to everybody. God just really is a God of love. There's a transition. Because not only do we have faith in him because we know his name, we know who he is. Not only because of that. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all of his doings. That's a transition that's a little bit... Something bad's about to happen, folks, because he just brought up justice. He keeps the world functioning against all odds. And not just because he's nice. He's kind, but he's just. Not only do we see his name written in everything, but he's the kind, it's, it's not a force. It's not George Lucas. Um, he knows your name. Isn't that the difference, really, between the force and God? God is sentient, not just power. He has opinions. He knows who you are. Even though he was good to all, he has eyes of all, uh, the eyes of everybody, every living thing depends on him. But then look what he says here in verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He fulfills the desire of all who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Suddenly the movement from just the common grace God, the God that every man should recognize like they would recognize gravity, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That God is there being compassionate and kind and merciful and patient with you and slow to anger. And everybody gets that treatment. You're living, allowed to live to 80 years old and God does not blot you out for your sins. Because he is kind. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have an opinion. And that doesn't mean he doesn't know you. You might want to know his name because of the degree to which he knows yours. The ungodly, the wicked, he will destroy. You don't want to be in that camp. You want to be in the camp of those who call on him, who fear him. Who love him. Did you see that, that threefold thing that says the Lord is near, he fulfills the desire, the Lord preserves, and he's got these three big things. Do you call on him? Do you fear him? Do you love him? There has to be a transition when you... You ever watch Cirque du Soleil? Or... There was a video that was viral for a while of some like three Ukrainian female gymnasts. It was a violation of all that was holy. They were doing things gymnastically that are not possible. But they were Ukrainians. They don't understand gravity in Ukraine. Amazing things that people do. Amazing things that that people who finally feel the liberation of what their muscles using gravity 
And they flip their 15th Italian stepchild up to the top of 38 chairs to balance on one leg because they understand gravity. Not like you. You can barely walk along a sidewalk without falling over. I run into things. I run into door frames, usually. Maybe you say, well, you're wide. Hard getting through a narrow door. We are the people. We are the saints. We are those who saw the God and went from theism to Christianity. We said, our faith in God is more than faith in God. We now believe this God. When he says something, we listen to him. We know his benevolence. We call on him, we fear him, and we love him. Because God knows your name. God has a faith in you. To preach the faith is to preach our God. And I, just in saying this, I want to read you a portion. I didn't put it on the, on the page here, but it's out of Acts. I have the reference here. You can look it up on your free time. It's Paul at Athens, one of my favorite passages. I refer to it a lot. There's so much in it. But when Paul speaks to the Athenians, be listening to what he's doing. Verse 22 of chapter 17 of Acts. Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God. Notice he's not saying, he's not trying to tell them, if you just believe. That is true, you can just believe. But he declares God, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all men life and breath and everything. Look what he's claiming. He's claiming that God is like gravity. Life and breath and everything. And he made from one every nation of men to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their habitation, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel after him and find him. That's our task in this world, is to seek God. Faith comes. When you find the God, faith comes. Because the God will challenge your previous faith. You believed in yourself. You believed in what kind of pleasures you were going to get out of life. And you met God and he said, don't do that. Believe me. And you have to choose. And the more you see him, the more the demand of your faith becomes. That we should seek God and feel after him in the hopes that we might find him. Yet he is not far from each one of us. That dark lord of physics is in every playpen, every stack of blocks, every inch of the known universe is filled with gravity, whatever that is. And every inch of this world is filled with the living God. I am not teaching that God and gravity are the same thing. It's an illustration. Okay? of how we believe gravity 
and how we're looking on God will bring us to believe in him. Yet he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, a representation by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he is fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all men by raising him from the dead. That's a great message. But it's tossing them right into the presence of God, saying, look at God, look at God in your own poets, look at God in your own world. This is existence. Now, the Christian message is, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's what the message of Psalm 145 is. He is near all who call upon him. He fulfills the desire of all who fear him. He preserves all who love him. The last verse says, My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Let me encourage that in you, that you could say to yourself, I'm about, I'm about God. I'm about God in my thoughts. I'm about God in my conversation. Not always directly and specifically, but my life is filling in this knowledge of this gravity, this weight, this glory. And we want to encourage others to do that as well. That's where the faith will come. Letting them know about your God. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're thankful. Very thankful for you and for your kindness. Help us understand you and the world you have made more and more that our faith would become sure. And we would announce you to the world. In your son's name we pray. Amen.